Welcome to WDFG, broadcasting Dear Final Girl, the advice and horror podcast where we dish on life and other scary movies. Every final girl has a story. So does her Jason, her Freddy, her Michael. So do we horror fans. This episode is part of our adjunct series, Origin Stories, where horror fans recount the horror movie memories that made them who they are today. Hi, I'm Robin, also known by my Twitter handle, at CreepiesRobin, and this is my origin story. Through the Door She Walked, by Robin Harrington. My passion for horror has been a long, evolving journey. My mother would play a pivotal role in my introduction to this genre, as would my grandfather and my nana. I still have very early memories of watching Troll, Critters, and Gremlins all for the first time with my mother. She also introduced me to Alien, which later on would become one of my favorite films of all time, featuring one of my favorite characters of all time, Lieutenant Ellen Ripley. A very vivid and terrifying memory I have as a young child is a TV commercial spot for the film Poltergeist 2. I had seen the first Poltergeist film with my mother, and it was terrifying to say the least. I still find it pretty terrifying to this day. Who wouldn't be afraid of ghosts, a child-eating tree, a maggot-filled steak crawling across the counter, an evil clown doll, and a slew of corpses underneath your house. My grandfather would also be instrumental in solidifying this deep-rooted love of horror. He had me watch things like the original King Kong, House on Haunted Hill, The Incredible Shrinking Man, and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. I learned about the universal monsters, Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, etc. I would learn to appreciate the performances of Bela Lugosi, Lon Chaney Jr., and Boris Karloff. However, nothing could have prepared me for the mesmerizing man that is Vincent Price, a man that I fell in love with instantly, if almost by magic. Regardless of the character he played, I was captivated. I feel like that man could make your summary of health benefits sound amazing. He could do no wrong in my eyes. My Nana would open the doors to Hitchcock. This would add fuel to the fire by not only increasing my love of scary movies, but that of psychological thrillers as well. I would learn that humans can be the worst kind of monsters, and that nature and the world around us could unleash wrath without explanation. Psycho and the Birds are still favorites of mine to this day. You would think after seeing Poltergeist, an old black and white film about a house couldn't possibly be that scary in comparison. Oh, how wrong you were, young Robin. 1963's The Haunting is a phenomenal supernatural classic that still holds up. Sometimes it's what you don't see that is even more frightening. Pair that with effective sound, acting, atmosphere, and whatever nightmares your imagination can cook up, and you're guaranteed not to sleep all night. These family members introduced me to many great films. Even though I loved so many movies that were non-horror growing up in the 80s, horror would always continue to pop up in little ways to remind me it was always there waiting for me to experience and explore. I remember the first time I laid eyes on Elvira, woke up very late one night as a kid, and my dad was passed out in a chair with the TV on pretty loud. This incredibly beautiful and interesting looking woman was on and talking so charismatically. She was wearing the lowest cut dress I'd ever seen. It was, I was so intrigued and somehow I knew if my dad woke up, he would not be happy I was watching this. I watched her for a while and either because of exhaustion or my dad shifting in his chair, I went back to bed. I would, of course, see Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, a few years later and totally idolize her. 
How can one not love her? She was hilariously funny, sexy, strong, confident, and a total badass. Everything horror and Halloween related was every day for Elvira. I wanted it to be every day for me too. I was able to catch some more horror films, unbeknownst to my parents from ages 7 through my preteens. Sleepovers at friends' houses or just simply staying up later than my parents would allow for movies that I still cherish to this day. Imagine seeing Sleepaway Camp and John Carpenter's Halloween in the same night for the first time at age 8 with a group of older girls while their parents were out partying all night. Another sleepless night. My eight-year-old brain couldn't fathom why Angela had a penis or how Michael Myers could be shot, falling to the ground from a second story, and then poof, gone. If these things could happen, then anything in the realm of horror could be possible. No boundaries. My attraction to this world would grow beyond anything I could dream of. I can still remember my first watch of The Gate at another sleepover at a very young age. These were kids in this movie, kids that had accidentally summoned demons. The fact that they were young would not necessarily save them from harm or death. Demons don't care. You summon pissed off demons, you got serious problems. No one is safe. Although originally written much darker, I felt this movie was pretty dark at the time and really fused two unlikely worlds together of horror and youth. The result is a film I feel everyone at any age can enjoy and it just works, plain and simple. I was 12 or 13 years old in the sixth grade, about to transition into junior high and feeling lost as to who my real friends were and who I was becoming. My intake of horror films had slowed pretty significantly. It was Friday the 13th and I had been a regular viewer of USA up all night at this point. USA Network was having a marathon of the Friday the 13th films that weekend. I knew who Jason Voorhees was as a kid because I had the Nintendo game and had heard other kids talk about him the guy in the hockey mask. I had not seen the films myself, but that and my life was about to change forever. They were showing parts one and two that Friday and all I can say is something awoke inside me. I was terrified, thrilled, connected, engaged, and felt as if I had stumbled upon something really special. A couple of weeks later, I would talk to a classmate during recess that I otherwise hadn't really interacted with before. We ran with different crowds. However, we sparked up a conversation on scary movies and Friday the 13th specifically, and from that moment forward, we were inseparable. We would spend every weekend together, most times at her house, and rent everything we could get our hot little hands on at the local video store. We were two adolescent girls on a mission to see every horror film in existence and alphabetically no less. This girl would become my best friend. I had another home now, and her parents were also parents to me. We were together all the time. I went with them on family vacations. I was introduced as the sister she never had. This beautiful person, her family, and these films had relieved me from a difficult home life of oppression, alcoholism, depression, bullying, and general unhappiness. I felt I had found a place to be with someone who was a sister in every sense of the word, a safe place, a fun place, and most importantly, a place I really wanted to be. I would lose my friend Gina in 2002. Her loss is something I still struggle with. These films are a wonderful reminder of great times and memories that we had. I will forever treasure them in my heart just as I do her. I'm still on the journey, older and continuing to expand my horror horizons with things like Gialli, Asian horror, etc. 
Who can say why we like what we do or why certain things as simple as movies can mean so much? But they do. Thank you for listening to my story and a huge thank you to Laura Bierman and uh, Tamara Scott of the Dear Final Girl podcast for allowing me to tell my story. Keep horror alive. Thank you. Wow. So uh, Robin's origin story uh, really just gave me chills. Yeah. And I had, before she submitted it to us, as I got to know Robin, you know, the death of her friend Gina is something that she had shared fairly early on. And, you know, I could very easily start crying, but... It, you know, I just, it's so, it's just so palpable how much Gina meant and still does mean to Robin. Mm -hmm. And I know what a kind-hearted, deep-feeling, authentic human that Robin is. So, I mean, I will just say for me personally to have gained her trust over time, to have become friends with her I mean I'm truly honored to be her friend she is an amazing person and her whole her whole origin story it's so multifaceted yeah I mean in addition to her friendship with Gina there is so much here that um I found amazing Mm um uh it's a very very diverse experience um is there was there something in particular that jumped out for you? Well, I mean, I think that there were plenty of things at, at the beginning, but at the end, um, when she spoke about Gina and how she still treasures and holds on to the movies and keeps coming back to them, I think that's incredibly beautiful because a lot of people who go through a traumatic experience like that... Um, and uh, I mean, just losing her friend being the traumatic experience. I don't know anything about the circumstances behind that. Uh, but a lot of people will reject the things that brought them so close to that people because it hurts too much. Yeah. To And I think that it's incredibly healthy that Robin finds good things and is able to um, hold on to her love of horror films um, despite the trauma that is associated with it. Right. And pretty tightly associated with yeah, it. Yeah, and especially the films that she and Gina f- bonded with yeah. together. Right. Watched alphabetically. That is <clears throat> Oh my incredible. God, I love that. Like, I'm, I instantly I want to do that. I'm right. like, ooh. And yeah. actually... And I have so much to learn, so maybe that's the best way for me to do it. <laughs> well, here's a little pro tip, and I will share it. I can share these files out on our Dear Final Girl Google Drive folder. Mm. So I can't remember where I got this from. I think I found it on IMDb. Mm-hmm. But basically, I have downloaded spreadsheets of, quote-unquote, all the horror movies made... From every, it's separated by decades, so I think it's like 60s 
through maybe the 2010s. Oh. And um, that was like an invaluable find because, you know, I'm always looking for something new, which mm-hmm. I can easily find on Twitter because it's great. Like Mutant Fam recommends things to one another and mm-hmm. I bookmark that shit so I can go back to it. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know what got me onto. But oh, the whole uh, we so we could easily yeah, we could do that. Do, we just right. have to filter filter those damn Excel spreadsheets with all those movies. Oh and we can yeah, just yeah, do it from absolutely. The top. <laughs> um, well, uh, my next comment kind of has to do with that, which is, do you think those spreadsheets would include King Kong as horror? Because I would. There have been. Since we've done this podcast and since I've like been sort of on the sidelines of the mutant fam Twitter um, goings on, um, a lot of times I'm like, uh, Laurie, there seems to be drama and I, I don't know what's going on. She's like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Um, but people will reference movies like King Kong, like Godzilla as horror movies and I would never think of that but I want is it the monster what is what is it that that's a great question because I actually think that we share the same I don't want to call it a bias but I'll just say the same perspective I tend not to think of the classic monster movies Uh as horror films That could be a reflection of the fact that I grew up in the golden age of the slasher. Right. So horror is like, you know, somebody, you know, it's either, it's either a human, a human evil or a supernatural evil. Mm Um, now I think with later quote unquote monster movies, like something like the Babadook. Yeah. Where that's a horror that is definitely a horror mm-hmm. film. But later horror movies, more recent horror movies, I think it's much more clear that the quote unquote monster is a manifestation uh, may or may not may or may not actually be real. Right. It's a manifestation of some sort of un- of an unresolved traumatic event and the emotions surrounding that. Whereas with the earlier, like the Universal Monsters, you know, Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, and then things like King Kong, you really suspend disbelief that it's like, this is a mon- this monster is real. This right. is a real monster. Right. Um, so it's a little bit different. But I, I tend to think the same way, like in the, <clears throat> I'm not sure when this episode will air, but probably while Horror Bowl 2020 voting is yeah. still going uh-huh. on. And one of the one of the franchises in the voting is Jaws. I don't think of Jaws as a horror film. <laughs> no. I don't. I mean, it's it, it's it's got that sense of dread. It's like constant tension. It's gripping. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think of it as a horror film per se. Right. But right. you know, I know. But you know, hey, this is like. <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, but who agree. are we to? Uh, especially, well, who am I to define what horror is? Like well, I. You We're know, defining a, what it is for us. Right, and right, everybody right, right. can can do that whenever the hell they want to. Right. <laughs> and I think, well, you know, um, Robin pointed it out in her story, humans are the worst kinds of monsters. Yes. Um, yes. You know, something that you just said 
Maybe maybe something like King Kong or Dracula or uh, werewolves, all those things. Those monsters are are also, you know, in the larger literary representational universe. Like they are representational of bad things that people do. And yes. isn't Godzilla something about like Western culture encroaching on Japan? Well, it's it is or technology or something like that. It's it's more specifically about the nuclear, right? You know what what the United States did to Japan, and I actually just read an essay about Godzilla recently, and it was it wasn't I'm, I'm going to say this with air quotes it wasn't just mm-hmm. about Hiroshima and Nagasaki. There was a later incident that I had never even heard of. Basically, the U.S. was continuing to do nuclear weapons testing on some island, and some Japanese fishermen kind of ended up in those mm-hmm. nearby mm-hmm. waters, and I'm sure they died. I mean, they had terrible radiation sickness. That was apparently the provoking, the ah. provoking idea. Now, at that point, I think that you know the the bombs that we dropped had been I, I don't know how I don't know how recently that had happened but I never knew about this other right this other event and so that well, was maybe cited. because people were like hey maybe we don't set off nuclear bombs in our own country like out in Nevada anymore maybe that's like yeah after <laughs> after we bombed uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki maybe. Maybe they're like, hey, yeah, no, let's not do yeah, that. Yeah, let's not do that. That's not good. So That's just go out into the ocean somewhere. Anyways, okay, <laughs> sorry. This is really off topic. But, <laughs> so, but you know, a couple other things that jump, jumped out at me um, relate immediately related to sort of like the monster movies. Robin mm-hmm. talks about, you know, forces... Forces beyond your control. Mm-hmm. Anything that... Anything can happen. And... This is true of horror and of real life. Mm-hmm. So Robin, you know, recounts, you know, the difficulties in her upbringing. And I think, like, just about every human, you know, has has something. Right. Um, and I tend to think, although I could be wrong, that maybe horror fans more than most, it's part of the reason why horror resonates, because mm-hmm. it's a way to experience and explore in a safe way mm-hmm. the fear that you grew up with right. like if you grow up and fear is almost like an invisible companion in your life mm-hmm. then horror is and continues to be a really powerful way to work through that yeah, you know? yeah it's a catharsis it's a it it's a planned catharsis friday night i'm gonna sit down and for two hours i'm gonna take this journey and it's gonna have some sort of end. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, and it's it's like Stephen King, I believe he said that horror is a way for us to safely experience our own death. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which is which is which is pretty cool. I think that's true. And that a couple of the things that struck me um are just how how early the love of horror yeah. Just, oh my God. I think yeah. a lot of us who are lifelong fans, we had that story. I mean, I'm a member of a local horror meetup group, and I've heard some of the, and it is guys. I mean, maybe the women have this story too, but my specific examples are the guys as early as like four. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw this movie, and in some cases, you know, their parents, you know, let them let them watch it. And I kind—I want to give a shout out to Lee from Night of the Horrorfile because he was fortunate enough, like Robin, to have parents and family members who were also horror fans Uh and just opened up this world to him just like Robin's family did (laughs) and I can't nobody really did that for me like I happened upon it Mm -hmm. but it was in my environment so I'm thankful for that it was more like an indirect introduction yeah you know it was laying around and you happened to pick it up like you playing with matches with Stephen King books, Stephen yeah. Stephen King, in your house, growing up. Uh, and actually, uh, you know, uh, Robin talks about sitting down and watching Poltergeist 2 with her mom. Uh, my mother tells a story about how my older sister, she was like two or three years old. Um, I must have been around somewhere just being a potato, you know, because <laughs> I was uh, two years younger than my sister. Um, but... My mom was in the kitchen doing dishes, whatever, and Shannon was in watching TV, and uh, she comes into the kitchen and says, they're, they're coming up through the floor. And my mom was like, what? And my sister said, they're coming up through the floor. And my mom was like, why don't you show me? And Shannon takes her hand, and they go and sit in front of Poltergeist wow. and watch it on TV together. Wow. And Shannon was just, you know, sort of taking it in. This actually is a very good representation of the difference between me and my sister because my sister has a very great grip on reality, and she was much, at least in my mind, um the story that I tell myself about her, (laughs) that she understood the difference between stories and reality. Whereas for me, the lines crossed a lot more. That's so interesting, but you're a writer. Is she? No. She she is a scientist. We could just Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. She's a she's a a nurse and a scientist and so yeah. That's a that's a really interesting thing. Um You know, something else, and I love this, is Robin names two very powerful... (laughs) I was just going to go to this. (laughs) Yeah, two figures who were, you know, made immediate impression on her. Vincent Price, I love that so much, Vincent Price and Elvira. Mm -hmm. Very strong man, very strong woman, completely different eras, different vibes, all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But these were like singular figures Mm -hmm. in her horror upbringing. Right. That's and I she mentions that Elvira 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 has like the lowest cut dress of any woman she's ever seen. Yeah, Um, and I remember Elvira being on TV when I was a kid, but more than Elvira, I think of Morticia Adams and Lily Munster. Uh Uh, Is Lily the mom's name? I think so. I I tried to look it up, um, but yes. Mostly because Nick at Night was okay for us to watch. So the Addams Family and the Munsters were, I don't know, those, God, I'd love to be Morticia Addams. I just thought she was so elegant and Uh, beautiful. uh, Just, yeah, uh, I, yeah, I thought she was, she, she, yeah. I haven't mm. thought about like I probably she was on a pedestal. She was because she was so beautiful and cool and calm. Yeah, and, and detached. <clears throat> and, yeah. 
Um, Lily Munster, to a lesser extent, also Lily Munster had a higher neckline. But, <laughs> she did. Um, she did. Uh, the just this kind of the the whole origin story kind of brought me back to several things from my childhood. I, I'm guessing that Robin and I are about the same age. Maybe Robin's like five years older than me. Um, how old are you again? Thirty-seven. I think Robin I, I asked that like it's a question. Right about the same age, okay. if not maybe a year or two younger. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Hey, I'm older than all y'all, so it's well, okay. Listen, age um, is just a number. That's right. Um, oh, another. Th- I love that you said that about because these stories. I just feel so privileged for us to hear people's origin. Horrigin story. Origin. Why have we not called it Horrigin stories? We might have to change that for now. Horrigins. Writing that Horrigins. down. Okay, I'm just going to right now slap a TM at the end of that and, and claim a relative I, trademark. I just put TS okay. instead of TM. <laughs> so. I just like did my initials like it, I was signing a contract. <laughs> Horrigins. Well, you, know, you recognize that you own it, girl. So... It automatically makes you think of your own memories, even if oh, you yeah. have not been a lifelong horror fan. I want to put in another plug, and this literally just bubbled up. I thought this was a great article. It was by Gus Wood. Don't remember the name of the article, but it was on the 25 Years Later website. Mm-hmm. And he wrote very, very intelligently and in a totally fun way about how Scooby Doo was an introduction. Uh, one of the earliest introductions for a it's lot incredible. of us into the mystery and monsters mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and s- solving crimes and you know kids and young adults being and the, the unknown. Heroes. Ah, yeah, and the unknown is scary. Yes, yes, and I just thought that was brilliant. So you guys check check that article out. I wish I could remember the name of it, but well, if, maybe maybe you can find the um, link and we'll tweet it. We could with tweet a, it out. Yes, yeah. we could. We could. Totally and if do if we that. don't tweet it out, uh, if you're listening to this, please um, prompt us. Yeah. <laughs> At, at Final Deer. At, yes, at Final Deer. Or um, are we? Are we? I think that's all. Up? We're. Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. Yep. Or email us at dearfinalgirl at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, horror helps us cope. Yeah. Yeah. Horror helps us cope, and that's that's certainly why I'm doing this, and. You know, like, I, I think initially it was like, hey, Tamara, you want to join me on this? And <laughs> she... Is... And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll be the straight man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, horror uh, definitely hope, helps us cope. Um, we hope it helps you guys cope, mutant fam. And once again, Robin, thank you so much for sharing your incredible. I feel like this has story. been Robin Appreciation Week. Yes, Creepy's Robin Appreciation yep. Week at uh, Creepy's Robin because we 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 just laid down um, an episode of Robin's letter to Dear Final Girl. Right, right. So you may actually hear those two weeks in a row. We don't not sure of our publishing schedule yet, but probably. Yeah, probably. probably. Yeah, because I'm lazy, and these are already in the books. That is not true. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. Stay spooky. Yeah, origin stories. Woo! Woo! Okay.
Tune in next time for another origin story from your horror community. Till next time, this is Dear Final Girl. Remember, stay alive out there.